If you will, open up your Bibles to Acts 7 or your app or wherever you have it. We've been talking about growing up spiritually, and part of growing up spiritually uh, is uh, love and, and not a worldly view of love. You know, it, it, would in, it would be good for you to go back if you haven't heard these and listen, because, you know, sometimes you hear about love in the world and, you know, you, you get this opinion that love accepts everything. And if you don't accept everything, you're not loving. Now, I believe we should be kind and love everybody and, uh, you know, have a, you know, an open heart. But at the same time, uh, we can be guarded about some things too. And love does not always do or accept everything. Hallelujah. You have to go back and listen. Why? Because the Bible said love fulfills God's law, so love will not lie. Love will not commit adultery. So whenever we do anything that breaks a commandment of God, really in the New Testament, we're walking outside of love. So what do we want to do? We just want to get back in love. God's not condemning, but he doesn't want people to walk outside of his kind of love. And so we have seen that the Bible talks about how God is powerful and God is all these different things, or he has these attributes, but the Bible said God is love. It doesn't say God is peace, but it does say you know, God has peace or the peace of God, but it says God is love. And so love is a forgiver. And that's where we're going to go today. And when I read this story that I'm about to read to start off with, love is a forgiver. God is a forgiver. One thing I found when I wasn't walking with the Lord, I did not express forgiveness or forgive. I was good at remembering bad stuff that people had done to me, holding grudges, and uh, I didn't realize it was harming me. I didn't realize that the world taught us, you know, if they do you wrong, then you do them wrong. If they treat you this way, you hold it against them. And I didn't realize that the creator of man created man mankind not to do that. He knows what's detrimental and he knows what's good for his creation. And uh, we as humans create things. We make cars and we'll tell people, don't put this kind of gas in that kind of car. You guys realize certain, you don't put diesel fuel in a regular gas tank. Anybody know that? Anybody ever tried to do that? Do you ever notice we are so big about people, and I heard people say, yeah, I've tried to do that. I heard those grumblings. But if you ever notice, they make the nozzle bigger on the green one so you don't put it in your car and go, whoopsie. Why is that? It is detrimental to put diesel fuel in a regular fuel car. Somebody said, but it's okay. Everybody's doing it. No, they're not. Or they'll get broke down. Are you with me? And there's a lot of broke down people out there that are saying, everything's okay. And this is a huge thing right here. 
And this is a supernatural love. This is not a world love. We can't expect the world to walk in this kind of love. This kind of love is something that comes when a person gives their life to the Lord and they get a brand new nature inside of them. So if you will, turn to Acts, the seventh chapter, and we're going to begin talking about this love that forgives. And why should we forgive? Sometimes people think, well, it's okay not to forgive. It's okay to hold stuff inside and allow a little bit to fester. It won't hurt one bit. You put the wrong things in a gas tank, like diesel fuel, and it will mess that car up. And sometimes it can take work to fix it. I've told this story when I was a little kid. We were driving to my grandmother's house. It was on a weekend. Not all gas stations were open on Sunday. And, you know, you're in the back seat and you're taking things literal like, oh no, and we're going to run, we may run out of gas. If we don't have gas, we're not going to be able to make it back home. Well, you know, me being above a regular IQ um, at that age, you know, they used to teach you this is how gas came to be, which isn't true. Um, but anyway, that being said, you know, we have this gas and, and, you know, I remember regular gas had a little bit of a red tinge to it, you know, a pinky red. So I remember putting some dirt, because I knew gas came out of the ground, put gas, dirt in the gas tank, and then it was fall, so you put fall color leaves, because those get in the ground too, and you shove those in the tank, and then you put the hose in the tank, because you've got to have liquid, and we've got a full tank of gas now to get home. Don't look at me like that. You know that's the right thing to do. And I remember getting in the car in the back seat, not thinking anything, and turning and driving down the street. We made it about a block, and uh, 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 uh. that was it. And they're like, what's going on? And they're looking, they're like, the gas tank's full. Well, they didn't remember. Yeah, it wasn't full when we got here. So they're looking around, and they go back by the tank, and there are leaves in there and dirt all there, and they're like, they didn't ask my brother. There are some things that just don't belong in the tank. And some people say, no, 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 that's okay. You could do that. It won't harm you. It won't harm. And now you understand when I'm talking here, I'm talking to people who have given their life to the Lord. I'm not talking to people who don't know the Lord. Acts 7, this guy is Stephen or Stephen, has given his life to the Lord. He's serving faithfully in the kingdom of God. He's serving tables in the church, distributing stuff to the needs. He's doing different things. He's a committed believer. The Bible even said he was full of faith, full of power, full of the Holy Spirit, but he was full of something else too. He, he had the love of God, which all believers do, but sometimes they lock it away like the guy who had the talents, each one was given a talent. One guy took his talent and buried it and hid it. Every believer has love. You don't have to pray for more. Nobody prayed for more in the Bible. If you've ever prayed for more love, once you've given your life to the Lord, you've got love in you, you need to turn it loose. You need to act on it, and you'll grow, and that love will be released. That's why it's called a fruit of the Spirit. 
It's a fruit of the new life you get in the Lord. John 7, 56. Let's look at this guy's life. And he said, look, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Now, Stephen's been preaching for like a whole chapter. Meaning for a long time. It's one of the longest messages we have, you know, of somebody preaching in the New Testament. And he's preaching away. And in the middle of his sermon, he looked up while he's preaching and he saw, it said, the glory of God, which we know from the Bible appears like a cloud, like a smoke or fire. And, and then he said, behold, he looked right up. He said, he, he said, I see the Son of Man standing at the right hand, heaven opened. And he said, and I see the Son of God, or the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice. That's all the people hearing. You know, sometimes when people open up their uh, mouth, they close their ears. You ever had people, you try to talk to them, and they butt in, and they break right in? They, they are closing their ears by opening their mouth. They're, sometimes it's good just to sit and listen, but these people on purpose opened up their mouth and closed their ears. If they would have closed their mouth, maybe they would have kept their ears open. But they shut off what was being told, and literally the Bible talks about how they were being cut to the heart. God was dealing with them through this message, and they didn't like it. So they opened up their mouth, talking, screaming, whatever they did. Then they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears, and ran at him and with one accord. The whole group charged him. And not to get his autograph. Verse 58. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. They dragged him out for this great message. This guy literally had a relationship with God. And they're going to kill him because they're being so dealt with. They take him out to throw rocks at him. And notice, they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul, who later on we know his name to be changed to Paul. Verse 59, And they stoned Stephen, or Stephen, as he was calling on God and saying, Lord, receive my spirit. And notice verse 60, Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, so this guy is, picture this, crowd of people, he's doing what the Lord told him, go tell people, preach the gospel, tell about Jesus, tell he died, tell he rose again, and so he's like, yes, he's full of faith, full of power, he's doing it. Jesus died, Jesus rose again, but he lays out through scripture all of these scriptures that prove Jesus is the Savior of the world. And then they didn't want to hear anymore, and they charge him, drag him out of town. So it wasn't like they just dragged him 10 feet. I mean, they're pulling him and take him out of town. All the crowd picks up rocks. One young man is there, his name's Saul, and he becomes the jacket collector or the garment collector. So you picture this young guy, Saul, who later goes on to attack the church too and then has a tremendous conversion experience. But he's watching this go down. 
And what happens is they start throwing rocks at him. In the middle of them throwing rocks at him to kill him, because this is the way they would kill people back then. Somebody's like, we need gun control. We needed rock control. No, what we needed is lives changed. Don't, don't, don't get mad at me. Now, I'm not, not trying to, and I need to be careful what I say, but listen, evil people are going to find anything. In England, they have a major problem with people getting stabbed. Because they have gun control, so people are getting stabbed all the time. What? It's because wicked people do wicked things. And I understand, you know, the concern because they have no hope to change people. We do. I mean, if you knew me before I was saved and after, you go, hey, this works. And the same thing is true with a lot of you. People would go, this works. But here he is saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down in verse 60 and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. Say what? And when he said this, he fell asleep. Meaning he died. Can you imagine? This is their encounter. They're getting this sermon. They're like, this guy's bugging us. We're going to get rid of him. And then right in the middle, now this is not normal. This is supernatural. This is because somebody was saved. He said, Lord, don't hold this to them. Don't lay this to their charge. We would say it like this, forgive them. You know, when I first started reading the Bible, when I read this story, I remember thinking, he's like one of the first people I want to meet when I get to heaven. What a tremendous person that would just be like that in the middle of getting stoned to death. You know, not thinking, ow, ow, you know, you idiot, you know. And he's like, Lord, they don't know what they're doing. Thinking more about the other person than himself. I thought, I need to meet this guy when I get there. Turn with me to Colossians, the third chapter. We are commanded to forgive. And we're commanded to forgive like the Lord forgives. And what does it mean to forgive like the Lord forgives? It means to put it off. In other words, you don't leave it on you. You don't leave unforgiveness on your life. You don't let unforgiveness hang around for a while. Yeah, but you don't know what they did. It doesn't matter if the Lord said put it off. There's a reason you would want to put it off. God is not, God is not just trying to be some harsh dictator. When he told, I mean, you think of all the liberty and freedom he gave to Adam and Eve. And he said, just don't do this one thing. It will harm you. Um, basically, he was saying, I want you to live in the best you can so don't do this, and they did it. He, he wasn't trying to punish them. He just said, don't do that. It will harm you. And here in Colossians 3.13, it says, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, 
You got to complain against somebody. What do you do as a Christian? You, you forgive. How? He said, even as Christ forgave you, so you must do. Notice, this is the new commandment. And he said, you must forgive. You must forgive. You must forgive. Now, you may not forgive, but you are told you must. If I don't, I was told I must. Why is it so important that he would use such terms like, you need to put this off. You need to get rid of unforgiveness. You need to get rid of any little something that, hinder, that sits in your heart and festers toward one another. Why would, we, why would he tell us to do this? Here are some truths. Even science knows that bitterness and unforgiveness is bad for the emotions. Are you with me? It's bad for people's mentality. It's harmful spiritually. A lot of people want to be whole, but they hold on to bitterness and unforgiveness, and it hinders them. And they, they hurt, and they are all turned up inside, and they think it's everybody else's problem. And really, uh, forgiving is huge for us. Now understand, when we forgive, that doesn't mean the other person's changing. That's the fallacy part of forgiving. I'm going to forgive you, therefore I let that go and they're changing. No, they may not change. But whether they change or not, I'm required to do my part. We are required to do our part. Now, others may not do their part. Look at this verse here in Romans, the 12th chapter. I've got to do my part. We have to do our part. It may not be what we've been taught, but if you're a believer, you know this is right inside. You can reason why you shouldn't let things go, but, but the truth is still the truth. Romans, the 12th chapter, says this in the 18th verse. It says this. Actually, let's read verse 17, because he's talking about love and forgiving. Repay no one evil for evil. How many people if they were in Stephen's shoes, would have been grabbing rocks. And that's what the world teaches, but what we know in the Lord, that's not how it should be. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, notice this in verse 18, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. See, I can forgive, but that's my part. But that doesn't mean it's going to change other people. That doesn't mean I put my trust in them. It just means I've gotten rid of the ill that harms me. Are you with me? If I'm, if I'm raising children, 
and I say, I forgive you. I don't hold ill against them, but I recognize maybe they haven't changed, so they may not get a privilege because they're not being responsible and faithful to that. And if I just gave them the full privilege, they'd go do it again and it would harm them. What we want to be careful is that we don't hold things ourselves. Jesus said this, when you stand praying, if you have ought, that's just like any old thing against anybody, he said, let it go. Forgive. He said that your heavenly Father may do the same thing for you. Remember this about forgiveness. What you're told to offer... And what you're told to give, you need from Him. And what He offers is way bigger than what we can give. And what He supplies is way bigger than what we're giving to other people. Matter of fact, there's a story in the Bible about a a servant who begged his master to forgive all his debt. It was huge. He couldn't pay it off. And the master said, all right, I'll do it. And when he got done getting this huge debt, it's like a picture of what the Lord has done for all of us that have received him. He, he, he freely gave it just because he asked. That same servant went and found a guy who owed him just a little bit and grabbed him by the throat. And said, you pay me everything back or I'll sell your kids, you know, whatever, and all this. The other servants heard about this and saw how this guy was treating others. And it's a picture of believers being careful how they treat other believers. And people how they treat others when God is so gracious to us. And he, he uh, just, I mean, he's got this guy by the throat. And he's begging. For, and he said, no. He's wanting something that the other guy received in mass, and he's not passing it on. And when the master heard, he said, go get that guy. He said, now you're going to have to pay for everything. What happened was, that guy, it wasn't that the master wanted bad in his life, but that guy opened up to junk. And when people don't forgive, they open the door to junk in their own life. Amen. They open the door to junk in their life. And we don't want junk in our lives. We want to, you know, there's a scripture that talks about if you do certain things, you can keep yourself in 1 John, and then the wicked one will not touch you. God tells us these things to keep us free from stuff that would harm. And one of the areas where we need to be really good at is forgiving. Letting things go. And here's what's important. Some people think, well, it's not that big of a deal just to hold a little bit of stuff. It's, It's okay to hold things against, just little things against people. It's okay You know, James, the third chapter and 14th and 15th verse said, where envy 
and strife is, you know, and people are bickering and bitter at others. He said there is confusion in every evil work. Where these things get to foster and people don't release things, it's an open door for junk. Did he say that to be harsh to people and go, ah, I tell you what, quit being that way. I'm going to send bad. No, he's saying, listen, I care enough to tell you, you live in a world where there is junk out there, there is bad stuff, they, there are evil spirits, there is stuff out there, there are harmful emotions, you want to keep that stuff out. I mean, wasn't it great to worship God this morning and praise the Lord, be in a place where God moved? And you could sense his presence. What created that? Well, obviously God. But if it's just automatic, you'd just be experiencing it all the time. But it took participation. What did it do? It took people turning their attention to the Lord. Maybe not everybody, but there were people who turned their attention to the Lord. Then, then people opened up their mouth and began to proclaim the praises of the Lord, and he inhabited that like the Bible said he would. What if I got my mind on something wrong? You ever thought about worrisome stuff? You ever notice how it just turns you all upside down? It's counterproductive. What, what if you put your mind on the Lord? Well, the Bible said He'll cause peace to begin to dominate your life. But what if I put my mind on worry? He said peace will leave. So what if I put my mind on the Lord and, and give praise to Him? Well, where envy and strife is, you have to put your mind on something and start entertaining something. Amen. You with me? You're going to have to change your attitude when it comes to this stuff. And go, okay, I'm doing it God's way. If we look at the world, we can't go, wow, they've really got this all figured out. We should be doing it their way. No, they're looking to us or looking to something, but we've got the answer. And so, you know, in James where it said where envy and strife is, that takes people holding on to things. It takes people letting it come out of their mouth and then it said, then their confusion enters in. And every evil work. Well, that should make us go, we, we want to get this out quick. As a believer, I, I'm, I may not be able to make you change, but as much as lies with me, I need to deal with this. Are you with me? I, I need to get this out. I need to not hold this. Sometimes people hear this stuff and they... They don't look at it and think like, oh, yeah, I, it's bad. Turn with me to Acts. This is a real interesting story. And when we read this, you're going to think, why are we reading this one? Acts, the 19th chapter. But there is a real truth in here about what we're talking about because we need to look at unforgiveness and recognize just how dangerous it is. It, it is, and sometimes you can hear something and go, yeah, that's bad, yeah, that's bad, but it doesn't always drive people to make a change. It should, 
But, you know, you ever heard about a person who died, had an out-of-body experience, and they saw hell, and then when they got resuscitated, they're like, I've got to do something with my life? Well, they saw something that was shocking. We, we can hear the truth, and it should move us, and I believe it does. But notice this story here in Acts 19, and we're going to read a few verses here. In the 13th verse is where we're going to start. It said, then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists. These are people who would attempt to cast out demons because demons are real, not to magnify them. But there are evil forces that are out there. When people, when there's these major problems happening in the world and people are like, we don't understand what's going on. Um, there, people listen to wrong things. And it says here, notice this. I'll start back at the beginning part of that. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call on the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, We exorcise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. Verse 14. Also, there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish priest, who did so. So there were different people attempting to use the name of Jesus to deal with evil spirits, and they were not believers. They were not Christians. They were here, and they're trying to resist the enemy, and they're seeing that the believers are getting great results by using the name of Jesus, so hey, we're going to attempt to do that. It's kind of like they're fooling around with something they shouldn't be fooling around with. You know, but they're not thinking anything big about it. It isn't a big deal, you know. We... we we see Paul doing this, this preacher, and so we're going to do this. And so they said, you know, they called on the name of the Lord, you know, saying, you know, according to this Paul preacher guy, in the name of Jesus, you devil, you stop. So they're dealing with real demons. There are real spirits out there. Verse 15. And notice this. And the evil spirit answered or spoke through this man and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? That'd be great. You know, going to cast the devil out. You now have a response because you used this name Jesus that Paul is using, who's a preacher, and uh, here's, you know, a response, you know. I know Jesus, I know Paul. Notice this, but who are you? Now the devil knows every believer. And he knows you have authority. The issue is, is he'll try to talk you out of it. Because if he can get you to believe you don't have it, you won't use it. Or if you think it's all up on God to do it, then He's got you at a disadvantage because God put it on you to do something about resisting the enemy. And so, He'll lie and say, well, you're just not strong enough, you're not big enough, you're not great enough. Hey, if it's a key and you can use it, you don't have to be big and strong. 
you just have to trust. I mean, keys work in cars, and this authority is called a key. And the name is the key. And what's interesting here is he said, Paul, I know, or you could say it like this, I know Jesus, the devil said, and I know believers, and the one you called on, but who are you? He was an unbeliever. He was fooling around with something he shouldn't, or they were fooling around with things they shouldn't have. Verse 16. Now we're talking about forgiveness, though. Then the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overpowered them, and prevailed against them. So there's this evil spirit there, and evil spirits are real. Whether you've ever seen one or not, everybody has dealt with one. Everybody has had strange thoughts come to them to push them. Everybody has. Some people go with them, others go, no, that's not right. Now, obviously we're talking about some kind of real big booming manifestation here, which is not what we'll always see. I mean, I've seen some strange things traveling and ministering. Remember one time we were in Africa and doing this meeting, and they said, listen, there will be people because they mess with witchcraft and all these different things, and they'll have demons, they'll come to the meeting, you just take them out behind, there's a place, and you can pray for them. So anyway, we were out behind the platform where people pray for them, and I went to pray for this guy. He looked totally normal to me at first. I went to lay hands on him. I said, in the name of Jesus, put my hand, to put my hand on his forehead. It got about six inches from his head, and his eyeballs rolled back in his head, and they just turned white. Uh, this ain't normal. So I thought, well, I'm just going to touch him, you know, and lay my hand on him that the power of God would go. And this guy supernaturally by the devil bent backwards like this. And there were people watching this, and they went, whoa, not during, after. And when I pulled my hand back up, his body went, and when I put it down, his eyeballs popped right back in his head, normal. So I thought, well, I'll do it again. I said, in the name of Jesus, I went like that. His eyes rolled back in his head, and he bent backwards like that, and then went back up. Well, that's not what you know we're talking about, but there are real demon powers. And we don't have to be afraid of them as believers, and not everybody who's got a problem's got a demon either. But people can listen to him. Peter did it. He said, I'm not going to let you do this. And the Lord's going, I'm going to go and I'm going to suffer on the cross. And he said, no, no, not so. I'm not going to let you do this. He is actually listening to the devil. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. He wasn't saying Peter was demon-possessed. He had just listened to something that was outside of the divine order of God, and he had actually listened to an evil spirit, and the Lord said, get behind me. He said, you're not mindful of the thing of God. Now, I'm not trying to magnify the devil because I don't believe we should. I think that's wrong to give him credit like he can just control everything. Are you with me? I don't believe Christians should be afraid, but I do believe we should know he's there. And if you have some strange thoughts that come to you, you can say, I resist you in Jesus' name and get your attention back on the Lord. 
And so here these guys are dealing with this, uh, trying to cast the devil out, and this thing prevailed against them in verse 16 and tore the guy's clothes off, and they ran out basically naked. This demon-possessed man just started tearing them apart, going at them, attacking them. They ran out. Notice this, verse 17. This became known both to all the Jews and Greeks dwelling in Ephesus. And fear fell on all. And the name of the Lord was magnified. What happened here was this. These guys were fooling with something they should not have been fooling with. And, uh, and all of a sudden they see, man, there is real demon stuff. There is real wicked power. And the whole rest of the people become sober about it. Like, this is not good. And notice this. Verse 18. And many who had, who had, who had believed, not who were going to believe, not who believed right then, who had believed, came confessing and telling their deeds. This made people straighten up. They went, man, God is God. The devil is real. We're not just going along like nothing's happening. Man, this was like a reality check and people went, man, I'm not doing what I should be doing. And it said those who had believed came confessing and telling their deeds. Like we're not living like we should. Maybe they had been told, you do things that are not appropriate, you can open the door to the enemy. Notice the next part. Also, many of those who had practiced magic, which is curious arts or witchcraft in some translations, brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. In other words, this got people to start thinking, wait a minute. We better be careful what we're practicing. And they counted up the value, and it totaled 50,000 silver pieces. At a day's wage back then, that would have been 137 years worth of money that, of curious arts or witchcraft they came and dropped. There's a few people practicing this. But it made them get a clear view. This is not what you are to be doing. And they came confessing. Notice it didn't say they confessed to the Lord because some of them were saved. They had been. How many people play with stuff today like fortune tellers? I've known Christians who have gone to them. They're called familiar spirits. I remember one girl went there, a lady I knew. She said, oh, I just needed some direction. You can get direction from God. She went there and she said, she said, she sat in the car and said she was so nervous. She said, then I went in and thought, oh, this might not be right. And you know what the fortune teller did to them, to her, right when she got in? She said, are you nervous? She said, I am. She said, let's bow our heads and pray. And she said, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive the... She quoted a scripture. Did that mean she was from God? No. Just because the devil tempted Jesus 
and then took Scripture and quoted it to him to make it, to entrap him. And she, that lady just went, oh, this must be good. But we read a story where a person who is doing fortune telling in the Bible commanded the spirit to come out and that evil spirit came out and they couldn't tell fortunes anymore. There was a reality check this day that they were fooling with something that was dangerous that, that you should not be fooled with and people should live sober. So why did you tell that when we were talking about forgiveness? The very next verse said, after they brought all this, it said, so the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. Why would you tell a story like this when you're talking about forgiveness? Because some people look at certain things that the Bible says don't do and that they're dangerous to hold unforgiveness. These people realize, man, they were holding on to stuff from their life and certain things they shouldn't have been holding on to, practicing things they shouldn't have been practicing. And all of a sudden they watch this thing happen. It caused them to sober up. Do you know in Galatians, the fifth chapter, he puts adultery, fornication, murder, right with bitterness and unforgiveness and the word witchcraft. He just bunches them all together. Somebody said, well, which one's worse? Well, if they're bad, we don't want any of them. Well, okay, I'll just take the not so bad one. No, basically what he's saying is don't open the door. And, and what we're talking about today, not to scare anybody, but we should be sober when it comes to unforgiveness. And as much as those people said, man, we're getting rid of our curious hearts because it's connected to the devil, we should go, we're, we're going to get rid of our unforgiveness or bitterness that we've allowed in uh, and ill toward other believers. We're going to put that out. If that's of the enemy and this is of the enemy, it belongs where that stuff belongs, out of my life. Amen? Everybody okay? Everybody doing good? How hard is it to forgive? Somebody said it can be difficult. Well, the Bible makes it plain how to forgive. He basically said when somebody does you wrong, they owe you a debt. They trespassed. They went somewhere in your life they didn't belong that was inappropriate, was not right. They sinned. They, they went somewhere in your life that was not right. You know, we were hiking recently. No, actually we were looking at property with Matt. And we went to this property to see would this work for the church. And, and uh, there was a fence around it. And, I, and we both mentioned, wow, we could only move the fence back. You know, there's a big easement. But on the fence, it said, no trespassing, six months in jail, and like a $1,000 fine. I remember saying, you know, I remember when it was 500 and before that it was $300 fine. Because those signs are around. Well, what would have happened if we would have trespassed? We would have owed something. Remember, forgive us our debts as we forgive those who are indebted against us. Forgive us our trespasses. So he calls a trespass a debt. When somebody does you wrong, you have to let the debt go. You have to put some kind of value on it. And I'm going to close with this thought. I knew a lady who had 
uh, husband had cheated on her and she said, we're done, but I've got all this bitterness. She said, I've come here uh, and I, I've come, she's a school teacher, said, I'm going to spend the summer praying and just get this all out of my life. I said, you don't have to spend all summer to get it out of your life if you'll just release them. So said, no, it'll take all summer. I said, no, it won't. After explaining, just put a value of your husband cheating on you. She said, well, that's like a couple million dollars. I said, could you let a couple million dollars go from you like you let a dollar go? She said, I could do that. I said, well, then forgive him his debt. That doesn't mean you allow him back into your life. He's done this twice in your life. He's gone. But here's what you can do. Let the debt go. It's hurting you. You know it. You're saying, i got to pray. And how are you going to forgive? The way you forgive is you let the debt go. You put a value on it and then go, you no longer owe me that. She did that and she said, wow, what a relief. Then she said this, I've got my whole vacation set where I'm here. What am I going to do? Then I prayed with her to get filled with the Spirit. And then after that, she said, now what am I going to do? I said, well, here's some books. And I didn't realize she was an avid reader. And I was leaving in a couple days. And she said, well, I already read them. What am I going to do? I thought, I don't know, but I got to leave. You're the one who thought it was going to take this long to fix your problem. And now it's fixed. Maybe just enjoy the summer. And if you have bitterness, put a value, let it go. Amen.